Welcome to the University of Young Entrepreneurs. My name is Brandon Adams, lifestyle entrepreneur and inventor, passionate about helping others with creating something great and becoming unforgettable. Each week we discuss helpful tips on becoming a successful entrepreneur and interview other entrepreneurs and inspirational people. Our goal is to help take your business and lifestyle to the next level. Now let's get started. Welcome back to the University of Young Entrepreneurs. On today's show, we have Tim Zarley of Zarley Law Firm. You are going to learn from one of the greatest patent lawyers there is in the state of Iowa. Tim has been doing this for a long time. His father started Zarley Law Firm back in 1954, and then he ended up taking it over, and he has seen everything. You're going to hear about how we started working together back in 2012, what we did to go through the process of helping me get my patent for Arctic Stick, three trademarks, and actually working on our second patent now, what that whole uh, basically timeline looked like. He'll explain the whole process with getting a provisional patent and then also talking about the patent and why actually it get de- gets denied most times when you submit and why that is actually not a bad thing after all. We talk about trademarks and then we go into some of the stories uh, he has with some of the clients he has worked with, which is awesome. I mean, there's one specific story. It just blew me away uh, how it turned out. So you're going to want to tune into that. And if you're out there, you have an idea for a product, you want to protect your your business, your idea, whatever it is, this show is for you. And he gives you direct advice to anybody out there thinking about inventing an idea or protecting it. He gives you the best feedback you can get and advice for you to how, how you can have success with your invention. So tune in this show. It's going to be great. Let's jump right into it with Tim Zarley of Zarley Law Firm. Let's get started. Welcome back to the University of Young Entrepreneurs. I'm Brennan T. Adams, and on today's show, we have Tim Zarley of Zarley Law Firm. Tim, how are you doing today? Doing great. Hey man, it feels like it was yesterday. You and I were sitting across from each other and I came to you with this idea, this invention that was gonna make me millions, called the Arctic Stick, and you believed in me, and wow, what do you know, three years later, I'm on the market. But before we get into that story, I wanna hear more about you. Your dad started this company, was it 50 years ago? Uh, he started out in 1954. Wow. And he started his own law firm and uh, Grew that to 20 lawyers, and then in 2002, he and I left that firm and started this firm, and I've been going strong ever since. Wow. Yeah, that's that's crazy. And like, I mean, coming from second-generation business, too, we can relate on that, and growing up in it and seeing what it's like. So kind of give me a li- give the listeners a little background of how you even got into doing IP, your schooling, and then what was your drive behind it? Why did you get into it? Well, I, I re- resisted becoming a lawyer because I didn't want to grow up in my father's shadow. <laughs> and so I started out in banking and uh, I had a uh, uh, Bachelor of Science degree in small business management from Drake University. Yeah. And then I went back and I got my MBA, uh, moved to Chicago, and my sister and I had a graphic design studio where... I handled the business side and she did the design. And then I came back to Des Moines and I worked in marketing. 
was a marketing consultant. Wow. And uh, I swore that I would never be a lawyer. And then when I decided to become a lawyer, <laughs> I swore I'd never be a patent lawyer. And then when I decided to become a patent lawyer, I swore I'd never work for my dad. And all three of those things I ended up doing, and it turned out to be the best three decisions I ever made. Wow. Never thought. So graphic design, marketing, you had all kinds of backgrounds. So what were some cool things that you learned from that that can help you with what you do today? Well, uh, you know, I think I understand uh, business from the entrepreneurial perspective. Exactly. And how difficult it can be. And, uh, huh. uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of work and it takes a certain mentality of being able to deal with uh, obstacles and setbacks and, and keep that motivation and determination going because that's what it takes. It does. And, you know... That leads me into something. I mean, talking about the mental attitude and the drive somebody needs. You have people coming here all the time, entrepreneurs with ideas, and I'm sure it's the ideas that you have seen. What what makes people stand out from the rest? What is it that you see in somebody that you know if they got it or not? Because I imagine you can probably judge within the first five minutes if that person has a chance of succeeding. Because in the inventing business, as we know, it's it's really difficult. They say one in 1,000 inventions actually make more than what they initially invested into it. So what makes somebody stand out? Well, the difference is how hard that person is willing to work. Um, you know, the people that are willing to knock on a lot of doors and have doors shut in their face and they keep going, those are the ones that I see succeed. A lot of people come in, they all have good ideas. Uh, the ones who don't succeed are the ones that say, here, Tim, here's my idea, do something with it. <laughs> my expertise is in getting patents. Uh, and while I do have a business background, uh, that's not what I'm here to help with. I'm help here to help with those entrepreneurs in handling those early legal problems. But uh, as far as the marketing and things like that, that really takes a lot more time and effort and focus than, than I'm able to provide. It's like the, the saying, I mean, ideas, ideas are shit without somebody behind it. I mean, ideas are nothing without the person behind it driving it because it takes a lot of work. It's hard. I know what it's like. I mean, there's times where you, you in your mind, you're like, am I, am I going to give up? Like, this is so much work. I'm not making any money from this. Am I crazy? Which, as entrepreneurs, we are a little crazy. Uh, but it's well worth the ride. So just to go in a little background for us, I mean, when I met you back 2012, graduated from college, I'd won the class competition with Kevin Kimley, and he said to go to you, came to you, and at that time, what was it, like on, written on a piece of paper, this idea to cool drinks, and coming in the ice background. I mean, I was so excited, I believed in it. And you helped me at the beginning, which I'm very thankful because, well, now it's selling on the market and it's a story that led me to many companies. And uh, it's, it's an awesome process. So when we went through, I mean, two day, one patent, we're working on a second patent and three trademarks. So going through that process, uh, let the audience know kind of some of the struggles we had or just what the process looks like. Because I mean, it doesn't happen overnight. You go through the provisional patent, uh, first off, like, what is a provisional patent? And uh, go from there. 
Well, uh, where the patent process starts is for me to get an idea or an understanding of what your invention is. Yes. Uh, how it's made, how it works, and most importantly, how it's different than other things that are out there. You know, it's not that hard to get a patent, but a patent that makes a difference, uh, that's what more of the challenge is. And while I know how to get a patent, uh, I don't necessarily know uh, you know what it is about your invention that's going to make a difference in the marketplace. So we really have to work together uh, in order to understand what is important about your invention and then proceed with that. One way to start is with a provisional patent application. What that is is an informal patent application. We don't have to do formal drawings. We don't have to draft claims. Uh, we just have to have a written description that describes the invention in sufficient detail. And uh, we file that, and the patent office doesn't do anything with it. Uh, you have a year. Within a year, you have to convert it to a non-provisional patent application. Otherwise, it goes abandoned. But that, that does protect you during that provisional? Well, it allows you uh, to secure a filing date. And what that means is the patent office can only look backwards of that filing date. They can't look at anything that happened after that filing date. And uh, it gives you some credibility. You can go out and tell people you have a patent pending. Uh, they tend to take you a little more seriously at that point, and yeah. they are a little more cautious. And it uh, gives you a chance to either uh, tinker with your invention and improve it, uh, as well as go out and see what type of uh, commercial market it is there is for it, or to raise funding, or things like that. Uh, so that those are some of the advantages of a provisional. Really, the only disadvantage is that your patent is sitting there for a year, or your application yeah. for a year, and nothing's happening. So if you're in a hurry to get a patent application or a patent issued, uh, that's not the best way to go, but it's less expensive. It allows you to spread the costs out, and so there are a lot of advantages to a provision. And like you said, it gives you more time because for us, for existence, I mean, what we did <clears throat> is we filed the provisional, but my product changed quite a bit from when we originally started. The idea, the concept, how it worked, and that obviously saved some money because if we would have jumped in and did the patent right like that, we would have to go back and be like, okay, well, this is different. Yeah, uh, one thing about a provisional, it's easier to add what the patent office calls new matter, yeah. which are new, new information. And while you don't get that original filing date with the new information, you get the, the next filing date, you're still, uh, it's an easy way to add new information because if you do it the other way with a non-provisional, you would have to file what is called a CIP or continuation in part and then you have two patent applications, you're paying twice the government fees, and, and it just doubles the cost. So uh, if, if you are or anticipate changing your invention, a provisional is beneficial in that respect because it's easy to add new information. What's usually take an average for a patent uh, from the time you file to when you actually, if you get issued on average, what does that take? Well, from the time you file your non-provisional, uh, it's usually two to three years on average. It'll take the patent office a year and a half to even review it. 
and I can almost guarantee that they will reject it. And why is that? Money game? No. Uh, well, <laughs> I, I have different theories, but actually them rejecting it is not a bad thing. Yeah. Because what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get you the broadest protection possible. So in the claims, I'm not only trying to cover what you have invented, but I'm trying to anticipate what others might do to try and get around it. So I use as few words as possible in those claims to keep it broad. And if I get that allowed right away, yeah. it makes me think I claimed it too narrowly and that I maybe ah. could have gotten more protection. So when I get a rejection, you know, I look at that, maybe the examiner, I agree with him and I tweak the claims. But if I disagree with him, I continue on because then I see what the examiner has and uh, I can either argue against it, I can change the claims, I can add new claims. And so that initial rejection uh, is actually a, good thing. actually a good thing and it's... Could save you money in the future. Right. Well, that makes sense. Uh, so basically, I'm getting a patent is if you want to get a patent, you really got to find out how your product is so different than everything else. It's got to show its uniqueness, correct? Yes. Because otherwise, you're just copying another thing out there. Well, uh, you know, the, the patent office standard is there are three hurdles to get past. The first is utility, which means it works. It doesn't even have to work well. It just has to work. The second is novelty, meaning that uh, no one else has done it exactly the same way. Mm -hmm. And those usually aren't too difficult to get past. The third hurdle is obviousness, which means that while it may be new, patent office feels that it's not a significant improvement uh, to warrant a patent monopoly. And that's where usually the <clears throat> argument back and forth goes. What about an idea, and this is these ideas that look for Henry Ford, he created the, the automobile, or uh, electricity, inventions that are completely nobody knows about, nothing that's been built off. Most ideas are just built off of previous ideas. That kind of invention, I don't even know what you would consider that. How would that process work? Obviously it'd be expensive. Well, uh, not necessarily. It, uh, you know, I mean, uh, the cost of a patent depends upon more how complex it is. Yeah. And so certainly a combustion engine is yeah. a little more complex than other things, but uh, the process is still the same. And you know, you're talking about inventions that they refer to as pioneering inventions, yes, where, pioneering. where uh, there is little prior art. And, and uh, you know, I don't see a lot of those anymore, but you know, they do occur. And uh, Have you ever, I mean, had one in here? Even if it didn't make it. Well, but. I'm not sure that I've had one that created a new industry. Yeah. Um, but I've had some that certainly change industries and uh, uh, are the next step in, in uh, what occurs in that industry. Let's hear on a specific story. So, I mean, your father started this in 1954? Yes. And you've worked in the business. So, tell me a certain instance where... Uh, young entrepreneur like me had come to your father and uh, got an idea going but then built an empire through it. Well, I mean there are a number of stories like that and those are, are my favorite ones. Uh, you know, a lot of the larger clients that I work with today are people that my father started with, with one idea. And, you know, now they have a company of 500 employees, they're selling product all over the world. Wow. 
And, and so it does show me how one idea can make a difference, but more importantly, one person with an idea who follows through with that can really have an impact on a community and a society. Because that, that one idea, because they move forward with it, now they're providing jobs, they're providing a product that satisfies a need, uh, making life easier or better, they're uh, you know, providing jobs uh, for people. So uh, these are the, the people that create this. We're the one, the one percent that actually drives this economy. Well, yeah, and it, it uh, you know, I don't even know if if other people realize the contribution that these individuals make because uh, you know our everyday lives are affected by the things these people do. It is, and you know, starting out, some of the people that came to your father, or look, somebody like me that come to you, and you help people out at the beginning. Uh, it really shows go to pay it forward because, well, now what I've developed through everything that I do, I mean, this podcast and everything else, led from a simple idea. Did I know it was going to lead to that? No, but it led me to many things, and now helping thousands of people. So, you're right. It's making an impact on others, and thank you for uh, that opportunity and what you guys do here, which is awesome, and your, what your father had started. So that's, that's just surreal. It's cool to see. Um, so what about, so talking about the patent system, for anybody out there, so why a patent? Like, why sh should somebody get a patent? Why should they spend the money to get a patent? Why is it so important? I mean, some people will say, you get a patent, but then some big company's gonna come in steal your idea anyways and you can do nothing. What, what would you have to say about that? Well, uh, you know, what you're attempting to do is obtain a competitive advantage. Yes. And so, you know, that's why the focus of the patent should be on the thing or, the, you know, whether it's one or more things uh, that really gives you that advantage that matters to your customer. Uh, because if you're able to get a patent on that, and we get a strong patent on that, while people may be able to design around it, what we're hoping to do is to uh, force them into making an inferior product. Mm -hmm. I use an example with a pen, where if, if I got a patent on a pen, and the claim says I have a housing with an ink cartridge and a cap, that's a pretty broad and a pretty strong patent. You come along and you invent a clip so you can put it in your pocket. Well, you can't make yours without getting my permission. You have to eliminate one of my three elements. So let's say you eliminate the cap, you put your clip on the housing, well, you put it in your pocket and it bleeds all over your shirt. So there we've gotten a patent that it's difficult for others to get around and compete in the marketplace because they have to go through you. And, you know, in our history, we've seen important patents. I mean, Polaroid, uh, they were able to maintain their patent monopoly for 20 years. Yes. And by that time, they had, you know, generated a, su a substantial market lead in the industry, which made it difficult for others to come in. Now at the same time, it's not just about excluding others, it's about teaching others so that 
society will improve. So others can learn what you're doing instead of you keeping it secret and they can learn from that and improve upon it and the process just continues to grow and uh, uh, you know that's the real purpose behind the patent system is for society's benefit but in order for you to disclose your idea the government is willing to give you a 20-year monopoly yes and then after that 20 years you can renew it is that no at the end of 20 years your patent is dedicated to the public so anyone can make and use use that invention okay that makes sense yeah uh, for me too I see as the patent system I mean you're you're, you're uh, encouraging people to invent and create new things because if they get a patent, it makes my idea more valuable and maybe I can license it to a company and make money instead of them trying to steal it from me and obviously make a profit off it. Otherwise, what is your drive to do that? So let's go into, we're talking about, talking about big companies that could maybe steal your idea. Talk about a specific time where you had to defend a client or situation where you went into court to fight against somebody trying to break, uh, steal a patent, uh, or I guess violate its uh, protectiveness. Well, patent litigation, um, <coughs> excuse me, patent litigation, uh, most cases don't, uh, don't make it to a courtroom. And part Why is that? Well, the primary reason is that the damages uh, don't justify the cost. Uh, litigation can be an expensive process, um, and so if the damages aren't uh, substantial, then uh, it's very difficult to spend money going after for the owner of the patent to go after it and yeah. ending upside down. And you know, usually in the beginning, there's a lot of emotion, but. Uh, you know, patent law is about making business decisions. Uh, I had a case a few years ago over uh, a uh, patent on a snow shovel. And actually it started out as a, uh, a trade dress case which had to do with the ornamental appearance of the shovel. And a company had copied that. Yeah. And so we filed a lawsuit and uh, we're going along and we decided to have uh, go through a mediation process and what in this particular one we brought in a independent mediator and uh, we spent a day uh, where the mediator would go back and forth and we tried to negotiate a settlement well in the process of this <clears throat> you know the damages for the trade secret case were not substantial they were you know maybe thirty thousand dollars so it was going to be hard to go all the way to trial uh, without ending up upside down, spending more than you would yeah. recover. Uh, but we had, uh, in our back pocket, we had a patent application on another shovel. Oh. And so during the litigation, we disclosed that to the other side, and they were very interested, and we ended up signing a $600,000 licensing agreement by the end of the day. <laughs> so we walked in with a $30,000 case and walked out with a... $600,000. So they end up basically licensed it. They said, we'll license the product. Yes. And they made a $600,000 deal. Yes. How often do you see that? Well, I've had it happen <laughs> a few times. Wow. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's the key is, uh, you know, I don't know if it's this law more than other, but, you know, creativity is extremely important because 
you know, even in drafting an application, not only do I have to be able to describe yours, but I have to be able to visualize what others are going to do. And so in that situation, you know, we were trying to think outside uh, the box as to what kind of solutions would be beneficial yes. to the other side. You know, them ha just having to pay us money is not beneficial and then stop selling their device is not beneficial. So fortunately in this situation, the parties were, were business people yes. and they were willing to work together and that's what enabled uh, us to find a creative solution to the problem. You never know what's gonna happen when you go in that. That is, that is uh, hopefully, well, that could happen more often. <laughs> so that's that's an interesting story obviously uh, it protected it and you guys uh, went through with that um, what I'd like to go into is somebody that comes to you to help save them money and to help save you time and confusion what are some things they should do before they even come to you to uh, talk about getting a patent well uh, you know just from a business perspective I mean you know, the patent may be a piece of it, but uh, there are a number of things in the development that uh, are more important from a business perspective. Yes. First and foremost, if uh, there's any type of a partnership or company, you know, getting that uh, ironed out, what that agreement is, what responsibilities are, and how this partnership or organization is going to operate, uh, can be critical because I've got a situation right now where they started with the patent, two inventors aren't getting along and ah. they refuse to sign papers. And so had they started with working out what the deal was going to be before pursuing the patent, we wouldn't be having this problem. You know, other things have to do with maintaining things as confidential, uh, getting non-disclosure agreements in place, uh, one very important thing if you are developing software or a phone app or something like that uh, is making sure that you have that software development agreement in place uh, because the last thing you want, I've had a situation where two years down the line they're trying to, to close a, a several million dollar funding deal and they didn't have a software agreement in place. Wow and it was difficult to get that in place. So that's another thing. Um, uh, something along with copyrights, you know, even developing a web page. If you have someone design it for you, you want to make sure that in your contract with them, it's very clear that this is a work for hire. That way you own the copyright and the designer doesn't. If you don't have that language in there, you may have a problem where the designer says, well, this is my copyright. You can only use these things for this purpose. So those are some things before you even come to see me that you should be thinking about because it can create problems for you, you know, down the road. And also, what do you say for maybe a small inventor? Do a lot of research on your idea to make sure there's nothing else or else out there like it. Well, that's one thing you can do as well. Uh, I usually recommend that people go to Google Patents yep. and type in their queries to see if they find anything similar. Uh, it doesn't cost them anything, and uh, you know they can find if you know 
assuming their query is right, that anything is uh, close to what they're doing. Uh, but it's rare that we find exactly the same thing, and it really uh, may determine how broad yeah. the protection you might be entitled to is. And then also, what I've always said too, is uh, <clears throat> make sure you have a lot of research ready for you describing your product, because you obviously got to see how it's unique from the market, and if they can provide the information for you, it's less work for you, and from their end... Well, it is. I mean, uh, you, you know, whatever you have that can help me understand is helpful. Uh, and so if you have drawings, that's great. If you have a prototype, that's great. If you've written out a description, that's great. And all of that is helpful, but I have people that come in and we just sit down and talk about it. And from there. And uh, are able to, to develop it. But, you know, the key is for me to understand uh, what this is and why it's important. So you've been doing this for how long, Tim? 17 years. So out of your 17 years, what would you say, give you time to think about this, what would you say the biggest things you have learned you, you can take away from all the people that have been in here, all the litigations, everything? What have you learned about working in this business about, or about entrepreneurs? That's a stumper. It is. <laughs> because I know you learn something new every day and yeah. you see new ideas every day. Uh, I would say that, you know, the thing that I'm most amazed about is uh, the inventor's mind. Uh, and it's different, different than mine in that uh, you know, my skill is describing things and, yeah. and visualizing things, anticipating things, but, you know, these are people that see a problem and find a solution. And I think that's what I'm continually amazed by is the story behind the invention and, and why they came up with it. And, uh, uh, you know, they were just trying to solve a problem to make their life easier. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, they found a solution and, uh, you know, most of the time if it makes your life easier, it's going to make someone else's life easier. Uh, I had an inventor who started out uh, in the 70s and, uh, uh, you know, he used to tinker around his house uh, doing woodworking projects and and he got laid off from his job and he said, you know, I like using this. I think others would. Uh, he went to a woodworking show and didn't sell a single one, but there was a lot of interest. And he went to a second show and not only did he sell all 18 devices he had, he took orders for 21 more. And at that point he said, I know I've got something here. And so he started going to uh, woodworking shows every weekend and uh, during the week he'd make his product, he'd go to the show on the weekends and sell it. That's how he supported his family and today, you know, they have a company with 200 employees and wow. they're selling products all over the world and it was one idea that he believed in and that he followed through on. And it led to many ideas. Yes. And I'm sure he's got multiple patents today now. Uh, he does, and uh, but I think that's the thing. I, I you asked what I learned, and one, it's you know this mindset and this desire to uh, 
to solve a problem. Solve a problem and then do something to make the world better. Exactly. And that, then we're the people that succeed. The ones going into it thinking they're just going to become a millionaire inventor is the wrong reason. But if they go in to actually solve a problem, most of it is a problem that they had and they just, they tired of it. They want to solve it and help others not have to deal with that problem. So one more question that we're going to go into uh, about the Young Entrepreneur Convention. Last one is what advice would you give to any entrepreneur out there or an inventor that has an idea? Um, what advice do you give them? to help them succeed? Well, um, you know, I think, I think there are a lot of things, but you know, it starts with, uh, with that person and the belief, not only in their idea, but the belief in themselves. Yes. And, uh, you know, the willingness to work hard and, uh, uh, because you know nothing comes easy, and uh, um, and just realize that uh, you know you're going to have obstacles, and that sometimes the biggest setbacks are blessings in disguise because they take you down a different path. And just like for myself, you know, I didn't ever think I'd be doing this, and uh, you know I just had things happen. Uh, that led me down this path and and even though I thought it wasn't the right thing it always felt right so uh, maybe that's the other thing too is to trust your gut and I think too is like you said at the beginning you said that there was three things that you said you'd never do but you did and for an inventor entrepreneur if you go with something you stick with it it may lead you to other things along the way that first invention could lead to something else. And for me, my invention did go to the market, but it led me to crowdfunding, led me to this podcast, led me to many other things. So I guess the really the more story is work hard, don't give up, and just keep going. I mean, that success, it's gonna go down, up, all over the place. Eventually you're gonna get to the end of that tunnel and you'll get there. So <clears throat> that leads me into you, I mean, we, we've been working together um, for a while now, and now you are a big part of the Young Entrepreneur Convention, which I thank you, a big sponsor, is our little law firm. And it's exciting because we have people from, I think, 20 states now, people from all over the country coming to this event. And not only to hear people speak, people like you, but also to pitch. So just briefly, what are some things you're gonna tell the audience uh, for when you speak at the Young Entrepreneur Convention? What, what can they take away? Well, uh, I think that my primary focus is to uh, talk about some of the things that are important even before you come to see a patent attorney, and then talk about you know what kinds of things uh, would trigger yeah. setting up a meeting with a patent attorney. As an example, you know we've done some trademarks for you. Yeah. Uh, in my opinion you know, getting a trademark, spending your money on a trademark in the beginning is not as important no. on spending your money on developing a product or marketing that product. Uh, now a name may be very important to you and you hope that you can keep it and yeah. there's risk if you don't, but at the same time, you know, there's going to be a lot of names for your product down the road. and, and uh, But the trademarks have no value if you have no product and exactly. no, no market. So, 
you know, those are some of the things. Uh, first of all, you know, what should you be doing? And then at what point do you need a patent attorney? The big thing that we're all excited about, especially you had met with uh, my co-founder Clayton Mooney with uh, Kinosol and the pitch competition. We're creating here one of the largest pitch competitions in the country and people from all over to pitch their ideas. Pretty excited to see what everybody's going to bring to the table. Well, I am, and, and <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, that's one of the best parts about my job is that, you know, every day I get to see ideas that, that you know, have never been yeah. thought of before. And, uh, you know, I anticipate that the people that, you know, have developed their ideas sufficiently to pitch them in this competition are the type of people that have this drive and ambition uh, that I have noticed makes a difference uh, because they're willing to get out there and work hard and knock on a lot of doors and, and make something happen. So uh, not only the ideas am I looking forward to, but uh, the enthusiasm behind them. You know, that, that's a good point. And uh, <clears throat> so I've pitched all over Shark Tank Casting Call, Amazon Inventions. I've pitched to you, pitched everybody in the street. I've learned a lot, but then I've also been a judge uh, for many competitions. And what I found out is the idea is good, but the passion behind it and the story that they tell and their ability to tell it, because you can tell in that person if they're going to make it or not, or they at least have a chance. And those are the people that have a chance to win for our competition, the Young Entrepreneur Convention. So anybody listening, you're coming to the Young Entrepreneur Convention, better be passionate about it, give it your all, give a great pitch, have a great idea, and you'll be pitching in front of Tim here. You have the chance to win cash prizes, intellectual property from Zarly Law Firm, uh, promotional videos from Situation Films, all kinds of stuff. If you get the top 10, you're actually gonna pitch for the whole crowd. We have some celebrity judges, it's gonna be a lot of fun. I'm stoked to have you there as well. I'm excited. We are 90 some days out. It'll be here before you know it, April 22nd, 23rd. Tim, before we go, again, first, I just want to thank you for everything you've done for me with Arctic Stick, everything you've done for everybody in the area and across the country with intellectual property. You are supporting big dreams. And like you said, some of your early clients, they have companies that have two, 500 people, and they're making a difference in the world. So thank you for that. Innovation is huge. We are the 1% that changes the country and the world. But what would be your last thoughts of anything on IP or just anything for the audience that you would give them? When you have an idea, do something with it. I see a lot of people that come in and they say, you know, years ago I thought of this and now I see it out there and I wish I would have done something then. <laughs> that's, so. that's good, Tim. Where can people find you? Uh, we're in Des Moines, Iowa. We're located at 400 Locust Suite 200. It's in the Capitol Square building. Phone number 515. 558-0200 and uh, email is tzarly at zarlylaw.com We'll have everything listed in the notes and if you listen to my previous podcast shows I've probably mentioned Tim here about four or five times but uh, great guy I highly suggest him me coming as a customer started out 2012 had nothing I was broke out of college he, he helped me out and we got uh, three trademarks a patent working on a second patent, and I'm sure many more ideas to come. So that's it for today's show. I hope you enjoyed it, 
And in the meantime, go out there, create something great, and become unforgettable because life is too short not to. I'm Brennan T. Adams. Have a great day, everybody. I hope you enjoyed today's show with Tim Zarley. I had a lot of fun with Tim. He's a great guy. Him and I have been working together for a while now, everything with Arctic Stick. And now with the Young Entrepreneur Convention, they have been become a great sponsor for us for the Young Entrepreneur Convention. And like I said, you're going to have the opportunity to ask him questions. He's going to be speaking at the Young Entrepreneur Convention April 23rd. That's Saturday, 23rd. He'll be speaking at the event. And if you have an idea, you can pitch to him. He's going to be a judge of our pitch competition. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hey, if, if you have an idea out there, I highly suggest to be pitching. If I could, I'd be pitching on the competition, but I guess they don't let the co-founders do that. I don't know why that is, but I, I think it'd be a great opportunity for anybody to try to get some money, not only cash prizes, intellectual property work done from Zarly Law Firm, a promotional video, video, and also have the opportunity to pitch in front of a lot of people. I'm guessing there's probably going to be some investors there and very influential people that can help you with your idea. So I highly suggest coming out to the Young Entrepreneur Convention. You can check it out on our website, youngentrepreneurconvention.com. Buy your tickets there. Or if you have any more questions, just email me, brandon at youngentrepreneurconvention.com. Any questions you have on the event, whatever it is, I will answer them for you. I'm excited to see a bunch of people there. We already have people coming from like 20 states uh, all across the, the country here for this event. Some great speakers. Like I said, Tim will be speaking from Zarley Law Firm. We'll have John Lee Dumas speaking, Jeff Hoffman and Priceline. We have Ken Shamrock and Des Woodruff and many more to come that we're announcing here for speaking. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I highly suggest it. It's going to help you take your business and lifestyle to the next level. So that is it for today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. And in the meantime, go out there, create something great, and become unforgettable because life is too short not to. I'm Brennan T. Adams. Have a great day, everybody.